Well, welcome. Hey, how good is this? We're so excited and so glad you are here. We have met over so many different home locations this week to record beyond online. And whether it's your first time tuning in, second time or 100th time of stepping into a Beyond environment, we're super glad to have you here. Hey, a big thanks as well to all our Beyond leaders uh, who are working behind the scenes this week to make this morning happen. But at the same time, we had so many of our community jump in online for the first time to do connect groups too. How exciting is that? But a a big thank you, a big thank you again to our Beyond leaders who've been so willing and just generous with their time this week to serve. But hey, we also want to love locally too. Uh, And this week, we got a couple of thank yous that that we'd like to say just on behalf of our Beyond community to our local community as well. We know for a lot of people this week, uh, within work or in just their week, I have been on the front lines of everything that's been happening across our nation and across the globe right now as well. So we just want to spend this time just to say thank you. To say thank you to people like parents who've been keeping the peace at home Uh, We want to say thank you to to people uh, like teachers and staff of schools who've been on the front lines of everything that's been happening. We want to say that we are so proud of our primary and high school students as well, particularly our year 12s. Guys, you are doing such a great job navigating this time. You should be proud of yourself. At the same time, we want to say thank you to those who have been on the front lines of everything going on, particularly in the health scene, to nurses, to doctors, paramedics, uh, to radiographers, physios, anyone in allied health, We want to say thank you to you too. We want to say thank you to those who have been involved in family services over the last uh, week and and that's been your job as well. We want to say thank you to those of you who have been on the front lines of working with people who have been vulnerable. We say thank you to those of you who have been so exposed to everything that's been happening uh, just in this season. And in light of that uh, as well, uh, we know since we saw you last Sunday that nothing about the last seven days have been very normal. Uh, In fact, uh, out of everything, we know for a lot of you that the last seven days have probably been some of the most difficult days that you've experienced in your life, which is why we really are so glad that you are here. And we want to let you know that we are for you and that we are praying for you and everything out of everything that hasn't been normal over the last seven days, that probably one of the things that would be most normal and most natural to experience right now is that feeling of overwhelm. We want to let you know again that we are for you and that we are praying for you. We know that that in this season, I can understand that in this moment in time, a lot of people might be feeling a little bit helpless. Maybe you found yourself in a spot this week of, of how can I actually help the people around me whilst not actually being shoulder to shoulder with them? And I could completely understand that if that's the type of work that you do in your everyday or was the type of work you did in your everyday, or, or maybe it's just something that feeling of helplessness is pressing into your heart because you know you've got family right now that you can't actually physically see. You've got friends that are distanced from you that you just want to check up on uh, or people who are vulnerable that you want to check in with as well. I could understand why you are feeling that feeling of helplessness too. But hey, we want to start a conversation today or more so re-enter back into a conversation we've been having over the last couple of weeks. Because even in that helplessness, even though you might feel helpless, we want to let you know that that doesn't mean that's what you are or who you are right now. We believe that there is actually a hope in this season and in the mess of this crisis as well. And we want to start a conversation about that hope today with you. So so maybe you found yourself... Uh, kind of beaten up over the last couple of days. But but here at Beyond, here at Beyond, we're in the middle of a conversation right now, a series called Address the Mess, which we think is actually pretty relevant, right? And picking up our conversation, we're actually in part three of this series today. We know that our messes, we know that the internal messes that we're experiencing on the inside often leak out. And whatever that internal mess we are hiding or avoiding or trying to kind of DIY fix by ourselves, it will leak out from our own private world into our public world. 
any of those things that are frustrations for us, any of those things that make us feel anxious or worried, well, we can put on the mask as much as we want and pretend we're on a stage and make sure that our public world looks all nice and tidy. But if we don't always feel like we have it all together in our private world, well, that will just start to eat away at us as well. And in our, if our private world, if our private world is in chaos and it's only time before that is presented through our actions, presented through our words and presented through our behavior in our public world. So I guess my question or my prompt, I want us to just be thinking about this morning, a personal question for you is, is how have you found yourself responding in this time of crisis? Have you found yourself responding or have you found you have responded in this crisis? What has your public world presented in the midst of a literal crisis? And what has that revealed about your private world? What does it tell you about what you've been holding onto or some of the things or some of the mess that you need to address? See, we believe we have a solution to how you can best frame how you address the messes of your past, your present, and how to best address and frame your response to the mess that the world is in right now so that you can tell a better story. And this is the big thing, so that you can tell a better story in the years to come. So this is our big tension we're wrestling with. How can you address the mess to be the person that you wanna be? How can you address the mess to be the father, the mother, the leader, the colleague, the boss? How can you address the mess to be the grandson or granddaughter, to be the grandparent that you want to be in this time? How can you address the mess so you can be the person that you are supposed to be in this time? Last week, last week we talked about how Jesus didn't come into the world Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn you. He didn't write himself into history to walk around, judge everyone, like trash talk them or push them away. Jesus didn't come into the world to pick out your every mistake. Jesus came into the world to offer something better. Jesus wrote himself into the mess of the world as a solution to your mess. That Jesus offered himself as the solution to your mess. And Jesus told people, if you have created a mess that has left you in a dark place, well, hey, there's good news. Here's your way out. So even in the darkness and the chaos and the uncertainty and unknown of the world that we're living in right now, we can find comfort in Jesus' words. He actually says that I am the light of the world. If you follow me, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Christianity, the essence of Christianity is not a series of that word sin. It's not a series of sin and forgiveness, sins and forgiveness, sins and forgiveness. It's not, I keep messing up, keep messing up, keep messing up, but I keep getting forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Christianity, the essence of Christianity, it's not about messing up over and over and getting forgiveness. That's not the essence of Christianity. And likewise, likewise, Christianity isn't that cliche that says, says isn't Christianity just behavior correction anyway? Like, isn't that what most Christians, churches and schools make it out to feel like? Like, isn't it to be a Christian? Isn't that just you just correcting your behavior and just wanting to live a life of a good person? Isn't that all just about become a good person by following these rules? Be good and stay out of trouble. That's not the essence of Christianity. But if that's how you have lived it out, or if that's the experience that you have or if you've learned about Christianity through that lens based off your experiences with Christians, well, hey, guess what? Buckle up. Whether you're in your jammies right now, whether you're eating some pancakes for brekkie or about to have dinner, buckle up and strap into your, your work chair at home or in your lounge room with your family and friends because I want to offer you a more accurate approach to Christianity. One that I believe 
can, can help you take the steps towards overcoming the internal mess of your mind and the internal mess of your heart so that you can be the person you want to be. So that you can be the person that you are supposed to be in this time for others, for the people in your circle that you want to love in this time. So to help us equip ourselves, to help us equip ourselves with the most accurate approach to Christianity, I want to read together this morning a letter, a letter that was actually written by a fella by the name of Paul. And Paul, to give you a heads up, Paul is, is a pretty historical figure. Uh, see, Paul was around, almost around uh, 1,960 so years ago, but but Paul was a pretty historical figure because uh, Paul is actually known as one of the most influential people in the Jesus movement post that of Jesus himself. You see, and if you were anything like Paul, if you were anything like Paul, then maybe you would know where your top holiday destination is. Maybe the one place you've always wanted to go is, is somewhere like Paris, London, Alaska, Bora Bora. Maybe if you, you've always wanted to go to Tokyo. Maybe you've always wanted to go to Costco. If you're anything like Paul, then you will know what your top holiday destination is. And let me tell you, I said whatever, because like we said, Paul's kind of top holiday destination, his big dream destination was in play around 1,960 years ago. But the place that Paul wanted to get to the most at that time in history was Rome. That's all Paul wanted to get to. He just wanted to get to Rome. And I want to share with you a little bit more about Paul so you can understand his context. Because what you need to know about Paul is why he wanted to go to the city of Rome. You see, Paul was a bloke. Paul was a bloke who came to be a follower of Jesus by seeing the risen Jesus. Paul actually saw the risen Jesus. After Jesus had died, he saw the risen Jesus. And maybe maybe for some of you, you could have said, if you were walking around the same time as Jesus, that, that he would have been a lunatic for what he was saying. That he would have been a liar for what he was saying. But I don't know about you, but, but seeing Jesus in front of me after he was meant to have been dead, that probably would have been enough evidence for me to kind of take the whole Jesus stuff seriously. And so Paul does, and he becomes very strategic to make one of his top goals in life to go to Rome to spread this message about Jesus, this message of hope, of a light entering into the world in a time of darkness. And he wanted to get to Rome because he believed if he could just get to Rome, then he could influence and spread this message across the, uh, the reach of Rome. He thought he could get this message out to the world. He just had to get to Rome. And so Paul, Paul's kind of like one of those stereotypical country singers who just wants to set off to make it in the big city. But the thing is, as soon as Paul gets into Rome, he actually gets arrested immediately. He gets arrested for trying to save a slave girl. It turns out Rome doesn't really like what Paul's about. They don't really like country music and they don't really like Paul. He gets chucked in jail to be 24-7 monitored by a guard who could beat Paul as he wished, who could, who could refuse to give him food. Paul ended up in this terrible spot. How is he meant to spread this message from Rome? The good thing the good thing for us, though, thankfully, we don't have to imagine too much about how Paul is feeling in this time of uncertainty, in this time of unknown, and probably in this time of just being absolutely scatterbrained. He would have been feeling in the dark. We don't have to think or, or kind of imagine how Paul is feeling because thankfully, Paul actually wrote us a letter. Paul wrote a letter. And similar uh, to, to how you might take notes, Paul really neatly writes this letter to a church that he planted 10 years before he's ended up in jail. And it's a church in Philippi. And Philippi is actually where Macedonia is today. And Paul writes this letter from jail 
to this church of Philippi, his old friends. And despite his chaotic, unknown circumstances, despite having no control over what would happen next, think about the context that we're in in this world right now. Paul writes this letter to this early church that he planted, and this is what he writes. He begins with this. He says, I thank my God. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, Paul is just pretty much doing a big address. He's saying, hey fam, I haven't seen you in 10 years, but I thank you followers of Jesus every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, in the good news, in this message of hope, the hope that comes in God from the first day until now. And Paul writes on, he continues to scribble. He says this, he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, Paul is saying, Paul is saying, when you made the decision to be a Christian, not just when your mum and not just when your dad or your grandparents told you that you were one, but when you made a decision to be a follower of Jesus, God began doing something within you. He says, when we are in a mess, and this is typical of everyone, right? When we are in a mess, the really easy thing we say is just fix it. We just want someone to fix it. In fact, some of you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian or a church person, but at some point in your life, maybe even in the last week, you've yelled out to God and just told him, fix it. You've yelled out to God like RACQ to say, God, just do something. God, just solve this. God, just just fix this. And here's what we know that fix it, fix it is now. Fix it is demanding something for now. And we talked about this last week, that Jesus came into the world not to condemn you and not as a short fix to your mess or our mess, but as the solution. You see, fix it, fix it is now, but follow me. God says, I'm the light of the world. Follow me out of darkness. Follow me. Follow me is a process. What our heavenly father wants to do, this is what is that the essence of the Christian faith, what our heavenly father wants to do and what Paul is confident God was doing in the hearts of these followers of Jesus in Philippi was changing them, was transforming them and growing them. Because the end goal for followers of Jesus is not a quick fix to a better life. It's not a quick fix to a better life. The end goal for followers of Jesus is maturity. And you can't rush maturity. When I first got my dog, Kobe, at seven weeks old, all I wanted to teach him to do was to walk without a lead. But the thing was, is that that was just a ridiculous thing for me to think could just happen in the space of a couple of days, let alone a couple of weeks, because my dog, Kobe, even on a lead, is just like this small, fluffy pinball machine. He just goes all over the place, zinging around. You see, you can't rush maturity. You can cram for an exam, but you can't rush maturity. You can have the best behavior management and restorative practices and tools for your child, but you can't rush maturity. It's the law of the harvest. You plant a seed and you wait. And so Paul is writing from prison in Rome to say to the church of Philippi that I absolutely believe God is doing something within you, growing something within you. And guess what, guys? It's, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to take time. Here's another thing. Here's another thing Paul says. 
He says, he who began a good work in you. That Christianity, Christianity is an inside out faith. That God works inside of us to bring something out of us. God works inside of you to bring something out of you. That God works in your private world to bring something good into your public world. Christianity is not behavior correction. It's not behavior modification, which maybe, like we said, if you went to a Christian school, maybe that was your experience. Maybe it felt like more like behavior modification. But Christianity is not be good. Christianity is not stay out of trouble. At the essence of the Christian life is God renewing our heart and renewing our mind so that ultimately there is a different behavior. It's not behavior correction. It's not a behavior quick fix. It's not stop and start. It's actually allowing God to rebuild you from the inside out so over time you and the people you are in relationship with can bear the fruit of that through how you love, through the words that you speak, through what you do, through how you give and by being the person that you were created to be. Christianity is not just be good and Paul makes it really clear. He makes it really clear when he says that being confident of this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. To completion. Let's just focus in on that word for a sec because I got really excited. To completion. That God is not trying to keep you from something. He's not trying to hold you back. That God is trying to complete something in you. That God wants to make you more mature. And God... God wants to make you more secure. And you and I know that our insecurities say that we are made for less. But Paul is writing to followers of Jesus and saying that you have this awesome opportunity to learn more about the creator of the universe and learn learn more about yourself and others in the process. That following him, following him will, will call you to grow to a higher standard of yourself, that he wants to make you more mature and that he wants to make you more secure, that this is so much better than the Christianity you have heard of, of be good and stay out of trouble. See, Paul writes on to the church in Philippi and he says, guys, this is my prayer. This is my prayer for you. This is how I want to tell you that I'm for you and I'm praying for you. My prayer for you is this, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Paul says, I'm praying that your love for people will get bigger and that it will get better. I don't know if you've ever prayed, prayed, I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like this before, where you've actually prayed to God for him to make your love bigger and better. I think so often our prayers can just be, God, just fix it, solve something for us in this moment. This is not a prayer of God. This is what I want from you right now. What Paul is saying to his family back in Philippi is that I'm praying that you will be people who can love bigger and better. So that, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. See, Paul is saying to the church in Philippi that I want you to learn and discern so that you will be a better lover of people. Not a better rule keeper, but a better lover of people. That God is not wanting you to become a better behavior. He wants you to become a better lover of people. See, this is, this is the essence of Christian maturity. The essence of Christian maturity is not, the essence of Christian maturity is not sharing our invisible love 
and praying to an invisible God. The essence of Christian maturity is when someone can love someone who is difficult to love or can love people well, even when the circumstance is difficult. That's when you know that you are making progress. And we even said last week that you don't need to be a church person to be able to agree with this, that that nobody's perfect. And nobody's perfect in, in how they show love. We won't always get it right, but progress trumps perfection. I think if Paul was here in our context right now of everything that's going on and the uncertainty and the unknown and the the chaos of things, things that maybe he might have been feeling in a similar way to when he was in jail in Rome, but at the same time, this is a very unique situation that we are in in the world right now. If Paul was here in our context, I think he would say that the best way, the best way that you can be the person that you want to be in this time, the best way that you can be the person who can love people, be helpful, can serve and be generous to others in this time, the best way that you can be the person that you are supposed to be for others in this time, the best way to address the mess within you that is preventing you from from being that friend that you want to be, the mother you want to be, the father you want to be, being the, the person that you want to be in this time is by responding in this way. And this is what we kind of call our next step, little application step in a message here at Beyond. We call it a four Monday because what's the point in coming to church on Sunday if it's not going to change you, if it's not going to impact you on Monday? I think Paul would say that the best way we can address the mess to be the person that we're supposed to be in this time is to actually turn to our Heavenly Father, to actually open up in conversation with Him. And, and really, turning to our Heavenly Father in prayer is really just opening up in conversation with Him and saying, God, I'm going to give you my heart's attention because I know that you don't need my perfection. God, I'm going to give you my heart's attention. The full Monday for this week is this, to turn to your Heavenly Father and say, God, complete the work you have done in me. God, help me to see what you see. and Help me to do as you say. One of the best things we can do in this time, I think if Paul was here, is actually humbly turn to our Heavenly Father with our arms open and say, God, let me see how you see people. Let my ears be attuned to who you're calling me to love. And this is the challenge, right? This is the challenge, but it's also the solution for those of you who don't want to feel helpless in this time, who want to act and respond in some ways. And I think one of the signs of spiritual maturity is seeing a person through the eyes of your heavenly father, through the creator of the universe and loving them how he asks you to love them. That is a sign of spiritual maturity. And growing in maturity, it takes time. Following Jesus, following Jesus is not primarily about what's right. It's about doing what's right for others. And as long as I'm simply focused on behaving myself, it is still all about myself. But to address the mess is learning to work with your Heavenly Father to complete in you the work He's already begun. You're going to be better at your friendships, better at your family life, better at your relationships and better at life by simply leaning in and asking and turning to God, even just saying it in your own heart. You can have your eyes open, but just opening up in conversation with him and saying, Heavenly Father, complete the work you have done in me. So begin to tune your hearts to what God is already trying to do in you and in the others around you. Because this is what we know. This is what we know, that Jesus loves the mess we are. But Jesus loves us too much to leave us that way. Even if we take the case of Paul, if you know the story of Paul, you would know that he wasn't always a church planter. 
Before encountering Jesus, Paul's occupation was to terrorize and to lock up and kill Christians. But Paul's life was transformed when he encountered Jesus. And his life wasn't just changed. He was transformed from the inside out. He's writing a message of hope to the church in Philippi to spread this message to the world. That even from jail, Paul still had purpose. He still had meaning, even in unknown and uncertainty. And in a time when the world needed it most, Paul was writing away words of encouragement. So why why is Paul's story such a great testimony? Because Jesus loves the messes we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. I know the mess that we're in right now, it's going to take time before there's, there's healing over a lot of things. And maybe that's really frustrating for you. And maybe that's why you just know that, but why, more so you're just asking, why can't I just be fixed? Why can't I just be fixed right now? And I honestly think, I honestly think that followers of Jesus are just made. We are made for this moment. And the thing that we are built on is a foundation, a foundation of faith. If I'm just talking to the followers of Jesus right now that are watching, that within you should give you an indescribable courage and peace. And a hope to love the people around you abundantly, just as our Heavenly Father does. This is a time more than ever to be attuned to what God is doing within you and how he wants you to respond. It's going to take time. It's going to take faith. But here's my follower of Jesus' response. More than ever, we need more people in the world seeing and responding to how Jesus would. And even kind of putting followers of Jesus aside for a second, even if you're an unchurched person, Lean in. Because even if you're an unchurched person, we, we all want to look back and know we responded in some way to this COVID story. And the decisions, the decisions we make today determine the story we tell tomorrow. And right now, that's an okay thing because we can only really take things day by day. But when the story of COVID is just a story we tell in the past, let's make sure our stories are worth telling. And here's what I want you to to really capture because the decisions we make each day determines the story we tell years from now. How you respond. Maybe, maybe just in this time, maybe just today, just after the week you've had or the last couple of weeks, you are just searching and just looking for a peace. Even though I know that that peace doesn't always come by trying to fix everything by yourself. The peace over your heart and mind doesn't always come by hiding and avoiding the overwhelm that you might be experiencing. No, peace comes by what you do in the middle of overwhelm. So how do you respond in the middle of overwhelm? Because in the middle of overwhelm, there's a heavenly father who's drawing near to you. You have this awesome opportunity to respond by actually praying to God that he would complete the work in you that he has already begun. There's a peace in knowing that faith, faith isn't just this rule book. That faith isn't knowing the end of the story. But faith, faith is trusting in the one who does. And we can find a comfort, we can find a peace and a courage in that. I'd love to pray together. God, we do. We thank you that you wrote yourself into the world as a light and you ask of us to follow us out. God, we thank you that you wrote yourself in, not just as this quick, fixed solution. God, we know that it's going to be a process. We know even in light of everything that's happening right now, that we can make decisions every day that will allow us to tell a story that is greater in the years to come. But God, we pray in this time 
that as we take the steps forward to respond courageously, we do so in faith. We do so turning to you and saying, Heavenly Father, complete the work you have done in me. God, we ask you to just use us to love others abundantly as we tune in to what you ask of us. God, we pass the burdens that we're experiencing inside of our private world over to you so you can repair and bring healing. And we give you thanks in this time for the things and the people that we know we can be thankful for. We pray these things in your name. Amen.